Welcome to Unplug, the podcast, where we spotlight entrepreneurs with disabilities, chronic illnesses, and neurodiverse conditions, plus their carers, people like myself. We also speak with experts, and they may be experts in their own field or within the health and disability sector. We want to have these conversations and we want to take it mainstream. Anything is possible on Plug. Hi, I'm just jumping on to let you know that we've changed the name from Unplug to Disinfluencer. Everything's the same. We just changed the name. So there'll be reference to that. We did it in April 23. Enjoy this episode. Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> that works. Can, you hear, can yeah, you hear me? I can Fabulous. hear you fine. We are recording. Are you ready to go? Sure am. Okay. So it's February the 27th at 10.30. Now... We got you because it was either now or May. And the reason why is because our guest, Anne, is a canine-assisted psychologist, but Anne also runs Riverina Psychology Practice and is the principal. And Anne, we know each other. I probably shouldn't tell people that you looked after me a bit with some of my shit because that's, I don't know if we can go there. We're not going there. But um just the whole Wagga connection and then I'm following you along Instagram because you have a, well, not you, or you, Buster has an Instagram profile because you do um, assisted therapy. So can you, before we jump in, can you just, um, can I ask you if I asked your kids or your friends what you did for work, what would they say? Um, they would probably say that I just sit around and talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have an elevator pitch? Um, for the psychology practice or for the dogs? Both. Oh, they're all I, kind of, are they mushed together? They're kind of one and the same. They are, they? they are kind of mushed together. So River and Psychology is one of the biggest practices in Wagga. And we work across the lifespan. We do assessments and therapy for children, adolescents and adults. And River and Therapy Dogs is a side hustle that has sort of blossomed out of my work with Buster. Wow. I, I love that you've used the word side hustle because, um, yeah, it's kind of such a startup-y term. And Morgan does have a good startup scene, but I guess that side hustle um, can apply to anyone in any business seeing um, a gap or an opportunity in extending their work to um, improve their work. And I guess for you that would be with helping people um, and your patients. So can you tell us your favourite thing about what you do? Um, seeing the, the growth in people and getting to the point where they don't need me anymore. Yeah, um, amazing. That, that's a pretty cool thing to do. And I, I probably one of the favourite parts of my job is that um, there are some children that started with me as, you know, paediatric patients and they've transitioned through adolescence and, you know, graduating high school and moving on. And it's just like, you know, proud parent type vibe when you can just sit back and reflect at wow what they were like when you very first met them when they were like eight or ten to the young semi-confident young person that they evolved to that's pretty cool yeah and considering you are in Wagga and one of the biggest 
practices in Wagga. Do you do, um, are you doing telehealth beyond Wagga or do you just look after people and they come in and see you? Telehealth has been um, a massive extension of our practice. So we did have to pivot with um, COVID and lockdown and the benefits of telehealth. We don't accept referrals outside of area, but we've had some clients that have been our clients for many years and then they've moved. And so telehealth provides us the opportunity to provide that continuity of care for them. So my I've got clients now in Queensland and Victoria. Uh, yeah, that's it. Just Queensland and Victoria d- doing telehealth. Um, and, yeah, that's given that, you know, continuity of care. Um, it means that somebody doesn't have to build a whole new relationship yeah. with a new therapist. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think of that because that would, I guess, um, yeah, starting those conversations and then, um, you know, going and kind of going all over again and starting with someone you could just be um, quite painful. So to continue that service because you're not in that geolocation is fantastic and it's great that you can do that. I guess that's probably, you know, I'm always trying to, someone asked me, people have very, people have horror stories about COVID, but I, I actually liked it because that's kind of how I live anyway. But I think it's, all the advances and the working from home and working remotely and being able to continue services um, through technology, I think has been one of the great benefits that's come out of COVID. And we've really got to appreciate that. I think. Mm, Yep. I agree. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we're just talking on the phone and um, I want to ask you about the therapy dogs. Now you have Buster and Buster has his own, uh, Instagram handle. We'll put all the links in the show notes. But do you, you have three dogs now? Do you have three dogs or just Buster? Um, I have two dogs, and with my um, provisional psychologist has a young dog that she's training up. So I'm sort of mentoring and training her along the way. So the practice sort of has three dogs, but two okay. of them are on their L plates. Yeah. So um, what you do with Riverina therapy dogs is you, you're using Buster within. Riverina Psychology, but the side hustle, I guess, that you talk about is you can offer, um, like you can offer workplace therapy dogs. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, we've we've developed a a workplace wellbeing program. That's it, yep. Yeah, so that, um, you know, we can go out and provide um, either a structured canine human therapy team visit or an informal um, visit where, you know, we can do a meet and greet and every staff member gets a little stress buster kit. So I've got these cute little bags that we've got some resources in, some of my famous little postcards and Buster has his own business cards. Um, you know, some... amazing. It's so cool. <laughs> and, and we thought, you know, it was a stress buster kit because Buster's the star of the show. Yeah. And... Not only when you talk about the side hustle of the dogs themselves, like you said, you've got these kind of resources and tools and then you can offer mentorship and training to other psychologists that want to implement a therapy dog in their practice. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm very very passionate about this. I've run a couple of workshops and I'm in the process of developing a good, robust um, training program um, 
because I don't work for free. This is I, I had to sort of fumble around and find, you know, where do I get training? How do I train my dog? How do I learn my clinical skills? Because I'm already, I'd like to think, a competent psychologist, but then how do I become a competent and ethical animal-assisted um, therapist? So um, when I first started looking into all of this, most of the training and the resources that are out there are focused on occupational therapy with animal-assisted work. Um, so there wasn't that much about psychology or generalist counselling, so um, I had to invent some stuff. And I figured yeah. if I had to invent stuff, then there would be other people out there wanting my knowledge and information. So, you know, how do I share that, which is, again, where that side hustle sort of blossomed. Yeah, because when I look at your bio and your info you've sent me, um, Buster is an accredited therapy dog. So Buster comes to you accredited or trained. Um, where does that happen? How does that happen? Uh, well, Buster was temperament tested and started, he had two months of foundation training um, from Quesadale Farm, which is in the Hunter Valley. And they do a lot of work and provide a lot of education support dogs in schools. Buster wasn't suitable to work in schools because of his temperament. He's too soft and gentle and couldn't cope with all of the noise of kids running around. So um, he was available. Uh, so he was four months of age when I got him. And then my responsibility then as his handler and guardian was to continue his training. But right. there's no regulation about this. This is totally on my honour to, you know, put do what it walk the talk, so to speak. I had to then go and find out how do I support Buster with his foundation training. So that's when I got into um, an organisation called Therapy Dogs Australia and they had a clinical program. So you have to be an allied health professional to do the program. Um, but all of the work that I did with Buster was as an in-training dog until he was 12 months of age and then he was assessed and accredited through Therapy Dogs Australia and we got assessed and accredited through Kaysadale Farm because I don't do things by half. <laughs> yes. Wow. So now that Buster has that accreditation, is that something you have to have reviewed like every 12 months or is that just a thing and that's it? Like what happens next? Best practice guidelines are that it should be redone every 12 months. So it's a temperament, oh, wow. temperament test and obedience and manners. But like I said, there's no accreditation or national guidelines or regulations about this. Um, so we really are pioneers in the, in this field in Australia. I am. I don't know what happened because I'm not touching my phone and I'm not moving. No, but anyway. that's all right. That's all right. It happens. I'll just send you another thing. So that's um, awesome. We'll talk. You're talking about um, the accreditation and how you're pioneering and kind of, um, you know, kind of leading, trailing that. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I. I don't know that I can take that much credit for it. There are a lot of um, other therapists and and people around Australia that are definitely trying to um, create an ethical framework for best practice and accreditation guidelines, so that you know there is some accountability and it's not just uh, a random take your dog to work because everybody likes the dog and it makes people feel happy. There's a lot more work behind that. So you said something before that I found really interesting. You're talking about Buster's manners. Mm -hmm. What what does that mean? <laughs> what does manners mean for a dog? I 
explain that to me because I'm curious. Okay. Well, I have a thing that I call petticoat. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You need to trademark that. Awesome. I, I should. I just made up this this little word that I thought, you know, that fits well with therapy dogs. So for a therapy dog, we've got our core obedience. So sit, st- sit stay, drop, go to mat, um, recall training, leave it, all of those normal things that most dogs learn through puppy school and obedience school. Therapy dog work requires a high level of manners and cleanliness. So Buster's groomed and washed weekly. He gets brushed out every day. My lounge room has been taken over by a big dog grooming table and dog crates and every product on the planet. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the the manner side of things is um, really important. So if I put Buster or if I ask Buster to go to his mat, um, he needs to stay there until I release him with his release word. And at the moment he's just laying on the floor under my feet because I don't have a client in the room. Um, but the manners extend to polite greeting. So I can't afford for Buster to jump up. You know how puppies, when they get yeah. excited, yeah. bounce up on people? If Buster did that in the workplace and knocked over a two-year-old or tore the skin on an elderly person, then yeah. that would be a risk and a liability I'm not willing to accept in the business. So jumping up is a hard fail. Yeah, licking, licking is a hard fail for me because that spreads zoonotic disease. And with COVID, we're using a lot of hand sanitizer, so there's things on our skin that could make him unwell or sick. Yeah, so licking is another part of manners, um, or lack of licking. Um, doorway manners and boundary training. So he's not allowed to rush through the doorway before somebody so that he doesn't trip a client over as we're moving in and out of the room and through the waiting room. So those are probably the big ones. Oh, no resource guarding and um, the mat. So, you know, the mat is the safe space and and the mat training has been, um, it's like one of the strongest um obedience uh, tools, cues, skills, skills, one of those skills that is critical for a therapy dog because we need them also to have the ability to learn how to calm, settle in a room. We don't want them being disruptive when, you know, somebody's talking about something that's really difficult. So that's manners, not very succinctly explained. No, that makes a lot of sense because we – like I said to you, we are exploring a therapy dog for Josh through um, one of us, like an Australian organisation. And I just this morning I was saying to husband, um, we're talking about getting chickens and I'm like, could you have a therapy dog and have chickens? And husband's saying, well, the dog's trained. so The dog's not going to eat the chickens. Like they wouldn't do that. Like I don't know, but I just thought the back to those manners and he's like it's not – the dog's not really a dog, like they're like a, like not like a doctor, but like a, like it's like a thing. They're not like, like everything you just said. So that kind of manners and the boundaries and all the training, like they don't do that. But anyway, like leading on from that, um, when I was kind of, we were going back and forth to organise this interview, um, I was messaging you and you have been away at a conference Um in Brisbane, so when we kind of started the the, the, the intro, um, I'm just looking at your email signature. So you're Anne, Buster, and Matilda. That's your three dogs, and you'd call them. You'd say you're their 
You said, I think on your website, it's um, you're the therapy dog's partner and handler, but we've introduced you as a canine assisted psychologist. Um, And I'm like, and I'm like, stop, let's get all that for the podcast. So um, can you tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about the conference you've just been at? Um, yes. Um, uh, and you need to pull me up if I talk too much and talk for too long. So I've just been away to Brisbane for the 2023 Animal Assisted Services Sector National Conference. And it was a hybrid conference. So it was the first face-to-face conference we've had in two years because of COVID. Um, But then there were people all around Australia and actually some people overseas that were participating in the conference virtually. And it was very much focused on language, ethical work and animal wellbeing and animal welfare and how we implement that in the work that we do. And there was people from so many different um different backgrounds there were the academics there were the dog trainers there were the the therapists um there were educators so uh one of the programs is um by a an inspiring young 16 year old autistic named summer farrelly and she has written a program on chickens and therapy chickens and loving chickens or something like that she's oh my pretty, goodness I'm you, getting goosebumps. you are, are going to have to go and find her she's pretty I'm amazing so she was one, right of the, one of the guest speakers um but one of the things that i came away w- with was the emphasis on uh, giving our sector credibility as yep. you know we know that animals produce magic And I've seen the most amazing things when Buster connects with somebody who's so anxious that they're mute or they can't talk um, because they're they're crying. Um, You know, how do you tell people that this stuff works? So, you know, we we need research. But then the other part is that when we are clinicians and we're working in the field, to add credibility to the work that we do with the animal assistive work, it's really important to recognise our clinical field. So the current recommendations are, I used to call myself a psychologist and animal assisted therapist. So the current trend this year is to label myself a canine assisted psychologist. Wow. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's interesting because I guess um, you'd have to like you're obviously very passionate about it, but I can see where, um, you know, I want to kind of talk about the myths. And I think you said that with the work um, placement, like it's nice to have a dog and if you love animals, like great. But there's, you know, there's actually some like magic that happens. How do you capture that? How do you do like, you know, we're not talking about well-being. Like this is in a psychology, I'm probably not using the right language, but in um you know, a uh, regulated field as in a psychologist's office and, you know, you're not, you're a trained person and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, how can you let people know the benefits and the magic of what happens? It seems like I could be wrong, but maybe it's just such an early, you're at that kind of start phase of, you know, I know this has been around for a long time, but it's, you know, with that research and with those people and these conferences and these conversations, I guess there'll be um, a reason to kind of um, 
instigate that research so you can see the benefits and it gets that accreditation. I guess I'm not sure how it works, but I don't think um, it's really going to stop people. And, you know, I guess the people that come to you and have the therapy dogs in their sessions, you know, it obviously has massive benefits for for the whole um, outcome for the patient. Yeah, and and I suppose I don't know if I can talk about those myths now. Um, I can. You can please yep. tell us. Okay. I've got it on my list because I'm I, like I said that like will a therapy dog eat a chicken? If you have chickens, like I don't know. Now now I'm curious. We can have therapy chickens, but you know what are some of the myths? Like tell us. Let's bust them. Well, how, I suppose how funny Buster and busting myths. <laughs> At the end of the day, they're still a dog. Yeah. Um, and they still need to have their downtime. Yeah. And um, I suppose with Oh, I've lost you again. The dogs are still a dog. They need downtime. They need time to be dogs, I guess, if that's yep. the right terminology. So what else? Um, that uh, the other really cool thing is that it's more than just uh, patting a dog and um, there's some science behind why why you feel less anxious uh, when you've patted a dog, provided you don't have a dog phobia, of course. Mm-hmm. But the, the really cool science behind that is that did you know that just patting a dog for 10 minutes at a time can reduce your cortisol stress hormone? Wow. That's pretty cool and it's well documented and the evidence has been replicated in multiple studies. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that's some of the the cool science behind what we do in in therapy work. Um, So how does it work for a patient? Like obviously you have this, you have your practice and you have the dogs. Do you recommend it for your patients or do patients go, I need the dog? Like how does it? work how do how do you end up with the dog in your session um well most people do seek me out because of the dogs they do know that i've got the dogs um and my client list is closed at the moment so i'm not actually taking new referrals for therapy but i am for assessment so when i'm doing new clients who are having an assessment for example like i did one on friday there was a clinical interview and I could have let Bust, left Buster at home because I don't want him to uh, invalidate an assessment, but I was able to communicate with the person that was being um, assessed uh, if she would like to have the dog present to because she was quite anxious uh, about coming in for an assessment. So um, we do provide informed consent to clients. Yeah. Uh, all of my therapy clients, they just know that the dog's part of part of the package. Yeah. Um, but again, informed consent is important for all participation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine it would be quite a point of difference um to have the the dogs there. And I can see without um understanding the science how it could be quite comforting for someone to have the animal in the room to just be there with them, I guess. That's yeah. Thing. yeah. Yep. So, you know, it's not unusual. So that interview on Friday was a clinical interview for a 17-year-old um, who's on the spectrum and has some other neurodiversity. But we sent, spent, you know, three hours sitting on the floor. I have one of those big, you know, those big soft 
dog beds that you see that are the donut shape and they're the soft plushy things that yeah. they advertise as calming beds. I've got one of those, but it's a gigantic size so that it's big enough for Buster and a human butt. So yep. adults and kids <laughs> will sit with Buster if that's, you know, what they need. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's... that's what happened on Friday. We spent the interview on the floor. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so it'd be comfortable and you'd have that support. Um, I don't know if that's the right word with the with Buster, but having that connection and I guess to just, um, yeah, not feel so alone and not feel so anxious. That's my interpretation anyway. It could be wrong. But, um, yeah, I, I imagine it would be and I imagine like he doesn't love a dog, seriously. So <laughs> I can imagine he'd be very um, sought out for sure. Yes. Awesome. And anything else we need to myth bust while we're here? Um, I think for anybody who's thinking about getting into delivering um, animal-assisted therapy and, and take, taking their dog to work, it's a lot more complicated than just bringing your dog to work because you think that the dog is nice and calm and quiet and can do anything. So I think that's probably from the therapist's point of view, that's probably the biggest myth that I'm constantly busting and banging on about with my soapbox is that you can't just bring your dog to work, even if you're already a psychologist or an occupational therapist or a physio or whatever. You need to do some training. Your dog needs to be temperament tested. Um, otherwise, you, you're not covered with insurance. What happens if your dog gets startled? What happens if your dog trips somebody over? Um, you know, so... Most of my myth busting is probably aimed towards other health professionals with don't just jump into it boots and all and think and wing it and think, yeah, I'll sort out the policies and procedures and risk assessment later. Get your shit together first and then oh sorry. Um and then be able to um engage in animal assisted therapy. Sorry for the swearing. No, that's fine. I've already sworn like 10 times, oh, maybe okay. twice. Um, so back to that kind of the business side of things. So you have um, it all covered under your insurance for the dog. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing, a policy? Like what? What? Do, what is that? Um, well, I've Buster's got a couple of levels of insurance. So as a health professional, I have to maintain professional indemnity insurance yeah um and so he's covered on my professional indemnity insurance then in addition to that he's covered under the business for its public liability insurance so each of us here at the practice every psychologist here has their own individual professional indemnity insurance which is required under the legislation then the business obviously has its own public indemnity insurance so to get that through the insurance company I had to provide them with evidence of what training my dog has had what training I've had what my qualifications are and what my risk assessment is so I've got a beautiful um, risk assessment spreadsheet which um, is reviewed annually so these things aren't just static documents Um, you know they are something that you know, you need to have your ducks in a row. Yeah, right. Well, that, well, yeah, I guess the whole point of this podcast is to talk about these things, but then talk about the business behind the ideas, you know, like there's so many things that are going on 
behind the business and, um, you know, a business that succeeds, whether you're making cookies or you're a psychologist, you need to have, you know, like you said, you need to have your shit sorted out and, you know, not have a static document. You need to review it. You need to be, you know, on on trend, um, you know, know what's going on in the workplace and all that stuff. So thanks for sharing that with us. I think our listeners will really love and appreciate to hear everything that goes on behind the scenes. So, and we've like, we're going to get booted off again. I think every 10 minutes we get booted off. So we've got a couple of minutes left. This has been incredible. So incredible. I'm so grateful for having you. So to wrap up, I'll give you some rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us that if there's three things that you're into now can be work related, life related um, that you do to relax or, you know, what are you into to help you with work or life? Well, um, at home I got an overlocker sewing machine for Christmas, so sewing and, and doing things oh, creatively is yeah. like one of my things. I love gardening. I have a beautiful garden and um, my house yard alone is like five acres, so there's there's nothing better than driving around on the ride on lawnmower listening to a podcast of which, you know, I've been listening to yours recently. Awesome. Um and the other thing, three things, three things, dog training, true. dog yeah. training. I'm, you know, I don't have enough spare time, so I've thrown in some extra training for myself. I'm currently doing <laughs> Certificate 4 in Animal Behaviour and Training with Delta Institute, and this will actually qualify me to then become an assessor and trainer for Mind Dog Australia, which train psychiatric assistance dogs. So that will wow. be finished in August because, you know, sleep is so overrated. I know, right? Look at you go. <laughs> Can you tell us what's your greatest work challenge at the moment? Probably sounds like time. Oh, yeah. Not enough hours in the day. Um, yeah. Not being able to meet everybody's needs. So there's yeah. not, not enough qualified health professionals in our uh, field getting yeah. staff. Yep. Yeah. Okay, last question. If you had a podcast, what would it be called? Yeah, not going down that route. And I did think about this on the way to town and I'm thinking, yeah, no, no. Um, There's too much work in, in, you know, I'll just, you know, run workshops and I couldn't cope with the pressure of running a podcast. Um, Awesome. Well, and I think that's about it. We're going to get booted off any minute. So not that I'm asking you to give advice, but if there was anything um, our listeners could consider from our conversation and something they could action, what would it be? Educate yourself, get online, find support groups. There's heaps and heaps on social media. So, you know, don't just wing it. Go out and see who else has already invented the wheel. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to cover while we've got you? <laughs> no, I'm watching the clock ticking down and waiting yeah. for us to get boost, booted off again. But thank <laughs> you for thanks for being interested in this work. I'm as you, yeah, I'm a bit passionate. I'll get off my soapbox now. No, I think it's amazing, and I think um, our listeners will really love to hear. I've I've even learnt a thing or two. Like I'm seriously, I'm gonna spend my day googling summer. So, um, yeah, now. I'm not going to send people to you because your books are closed, but um, I'll put all the links in for Buster and you've got some resources, but I guess if people are interested in um, the therapy dogs, they can find you through um, Buster 
well, Riverina Therapy Dogs has a website and they can get in touch with you there and we'll put all the links in. And And I'm super grateful. Thank you for doing this. It was a big ask um, and you've given up a free, not a free session, your spare time that you don't have to talk to me. So I really appreciate it. And um, thanks for listening to the podcast. And, um, yeah, we'll have to get some of those resources on the marketplace when we launch it uh, in July. No pressure. I'm just going to make you do it just like I made you do this. So thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Simone. I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Anne. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We're on Instagram at on.plug. We only have Insta for now, but you can also go to our website, which is in the link in our Insta bio, and get in touch if you want to. If you want to know more about the marketplace, you want to be on the podcast, you have a podcast for us, if you want to support us, if you just want to say hello, just find us on Instagram or here and say hello. Bye. Bye. Thank you.